0: And we are now very pleased to be joined by the Northfield Chief of Police, Mr. Mark Elliott. Good morning, sir. Good morning, Rich. Good morning, listeners. You, you and I are just talking. Generally, our paths will cross once or twice a week, uh, uh, but it, I, I feel like I haven't seen you in like a month, sir. How you been?
1: It's been a while, yeah. yeah. Um, you know what? Things have been busy, Yeah. Um, which... <laughs> um, Probably isn't a good thing in this business that I'm in, um, but yeah, uh, things are busy.
0: <clears throat> well, I, I I can actually personally uh, attest to how busy things are, because Chief Elliot, my catalytic converter two weeks ago today was stolen out of my car while I was doing the radio show. I uh, uh I pulled in at whatever time I get here, five in the morning. Uh, and then when we were done, I actually had to get out of here real quickly and I went and got in my car and turned it over and it sounded like the, the earth, the world was exploding. I mean, and, uh, um, I, I had a, I've, I've had some, uh, uh, conversations with, uh, officer Bart Weiss, who was, uh, sort of taking, and you know. No one's going to recover my catalytic converter. It's not going to happen. But I, I have to say that, uh, Officer Weiss has been very thorough in, in, in the way he handles things. And it's just really, it's, it's, it's gratifying to see the, uh, uh, the way you guys go about your business. But I'm frustrated as heck because it's, you know, it's, I, it, no, insurance covers it, but it's three grand yeah, to replace it's a, a catalytic for converter. Folks
1: and obviously it costs, uh, all of us. Money because that means our insurance rates are going up and all of that across the board. So, um, you're not the only one. So, since the first of the year, we've had 11 thefts from motor vehicles, and uh, six of those have been catalytic converters. Wow. Um, And that's just in Northfield here. And um, they're spread out, too, because we, we try to look at trends. In fact, we just, uh, we've just we noticed mm-hmm. uh, kind of an uptick in, in what we normally have. Um, you know, if we look over the last year, we averaged about 2.8 thefts from a vehicle uh, a month. That could be thefts from stuff in a vehicle or equipment attached to the vehicle, okay. like a catalytic converter. Right, right, right. And this year, we're on a pace of 8 a month. So really? that's a significant increase. Um, and... You know, prevention, obviously, we want folks to do that, try yep. to park in uh, a secured area if you yep. can, you know, your yep. garage or yep. that type of thing. Obviously, you can't do that here at work, but <laughs> park in areas that are, um, you know, have cameras or yeah. have more foot traffic and people around, that can help a little. But, uh, you know, it it is. It's frustrating for everyone, and... know we know that uh, there's nobody that's becoming a billionaire from steel and catalytic converters right nobody's getting rich on this right we we are pretty confident we know what fuels this yeah and it's drug addiction yes and it's folks looking to steal catalytic converters go and sell them and get a couple dollars so they can go get high again yeah um now, there's a couple things that the state is working on, and I know we'll talk about some legislation mm-hmm. stuff today, mm-hmm. but um Senate File 5 and House File 30 both make possession of a catalytic converter a crime. Okay. Um So we're trying to address it that way, that right. hopefully that discourages some. Right. And the other part is, we've had times where we've stopped someone, and they have three, four catalytic converters in their car. Oh, really? Yes, but... We don't know where they came from, right. and th- it's not always in the community where they were stolen from. Right. You know, they could have right. stolen them. You know, in- I, well, I know one of them we had uh, last last year. Faribault had stopped a car, and a guy had several of them in there. One of them, just that same night, we had taken a report from here okay. and were able to match that up. But oh, a lot of times, we're not able to determine where they came from. So, right. if we make the possession itself of them a crime, then that can help law enforcement officers and trying yeah. to stop some of that yeah. and having a reason to arrest and investigate further right. as to why that right. person has catalytic right. converters.
0: It just feels devious and insidious. Yeah. What's happening?
1: So, you know, the other side of that though, there's something that, uh, we'll be rolling out here within rice County, um, shortly. And that is a police assisted recovery and diversion. Yeah. Um, so getting folks right into treatment that we're having contact with. Right. Um, cuz we know that a lot of our theft crimes are related mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. um drug use yeah. and if we can offer free treatment for folks and get them there that's right. really a positive right. thing so in the next couple of months you'll hear uh, about that we're going to kick off the program here in March and uh it's all part of a federal grant that right. we applied for with Rice County yep. and received a million dollars over 3 years from Bureau of Justice Assistance. Fantastic. So yeah. some good ways for uh trying to get help for some folks out there yeah, and yeah. move in the right direction
0: you and i talk quite a bit uh about the the mental health uh aspect of of your job and 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 how you guys uh, approach that thing and and it's um it's really i mean I, I tell you this all the time it's just really good to see uh the so- society is identifying mental health uh as the the issue it, it has always been right but it's normalizing a, that conversation exactly exactly
1: and it reduces stigma, too. Oh, it um, absolutely you know, does. where it used to be someone had mental health issues, where it's right. like, oh, there's something right. wrong with them. And right. it's like, no, they're just like the rest of us. <laughs> exactly.
0: <laughs> um, I,
1: and it's good that we can just talk about that more openly now.
0: Right. I, I struggle mightily with depression and anxiety, and I'm, I'm not afraid to tell you that. I'm not afraid to say that on the radio. It's because there's a lot of us out there that do. Yep. And it's, it's, uh, I'm glad the conversation is coming back around like this. Yep. Yeah. Anyway, Um. Matt Hillman was, Superintendent, Northfield Superintendent, uh, Matt Hillman was, uh, in here on Tuesday talking about the, uh, uh, the, uh, the school resource officer program that, uh, you guys, uh, have just renewed for another year. Is that right?
1: It, we did. Uh, well, it, we do it on an annual basis. Yeah. We didn't do it at this meeting, but what okay. we try to do, um, yeah, Superintendent Hillman and I talk on a, a pretty regular basis yeah, um, so. just because some of our work overlaps, and um, and we're just both pretty active in the community, so right. we end up running together right. and being on committees right. and that type of thing, but... Um, Yeah, our school board presentation was just to kind of bring the school board up to speed. We try to do that annually. They've got some new members on the board this Mm -hmm. year, so we want to make sure they understand. And I don't want to rehash everything he said, but what we really covered was it's a partnership, a partnership in safety, security, trust, development of the students. Because I mentioned it there that, uh, you know, our children in our community, they're our future. Yes, they are. And uh, I don't want to go all Whitney Houston. We'll talk about the <laughs> list later. but uh, um, We'll get there. You yeah. know, it, they are. And so it's important to invest in them. Right. And it's important to provide schools that are a safe place for learning. Mm-hmm. I mean, We don't have to look too far. We can go about 40 miles north to St. Paul and know that uh, they had an act of violence happen in their school last Friday. And that is part of... Of the reason our school resource officers are in the school sure. uh, Uvalde, you know we can go around the country over the last several years yeah. and all kinds of reasons that it's good to have a, a trained person in the school that can immediately protect our children right, right. Um, and so that is part of it. but more importantly, it's those relationships we build and we talked about this at the school board meeting that our, part of our goal of having that officer there is not only to protect if something mm-hmm. happens but to prevent. That officer is building relationships with students throughout the school, and so they're more likely to trust and to come to that trusted adult, that officer, when they say, hey, I I saw something on social media or a friend of mine struggling with this, and he made some comments that are concerning to me. Um, so that that officer then can try to prevent something from happening.
0: And you know that firsthand because you were, in earlier in your career, you were a school resource officer. Is that right? I
1: was. I spent three years at a high school as a school resource officer and uh, prior to that a D.A.R.E. officer as well. Okay. And so I understand those relationships that get built. In fact, I still to this day (laughs) get contacted from students that were D.A.R.E. students of mine or were at the high school when I was there. And we're talking, this is 20 to 25 years ago. And they'll, they'll contact me and sometimes it's about stuff going on in their life. Um, and not, not always good. Yeah. But they trust me, you know, I had one student call and he's like, you know what? I got my third DWI and I'm just tired of how I'm living and what, you know, what, how can you help? What, what can I do? Right. And he wasn't asking for me to necessarily help him, but he, he's just like, you, you deal with this and, and you know, people that struggle and how can I get better? I've had other people, hey, I've got, I'm having issues with my kids. Yeah. (laughs) And I I just really need to know what to do. I know. I wasn't going down the right path, and I need some help there. Um, I've got a couple others that, being an athlete and being involved with athletes, I've had some of those that you know just contact me to say, "Hey, this is going on in my life," and I just wanted to chat about it. So it really is relationships that are developed. And then here in Northfield, we have a third of our department that are Northfield High School graduates.
0: I didn't realize it was full of that many. That's yeah, great.
1: Yeah, so we have a third, which every community doesn't necessarily have that. Right. And um, it, I'm not saying all of our officers should be. I mean, it, it's good to have a, a mix of folks. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it is kind of nice having that. And so being in the schools also means that we can maybe develop some future officers. Yes. They see, they interact with that officer. It's a positive experience and it influences them that maybe that's a career path I want to take. Yeah,
0: yeah. Do you. <laughs> You and I are roughly the same age. And I, I, when, when I was in high school in the, in the mid eighties, um, the, the student resource officer was, um, uh, the school resource officer, I should say, uh, was introduced into my school while I, I think I was a junior in high school. And there was, there was a little pushback back in those days about why, why are you putting a cop in, 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 in school? Do we still hear about that? Do we still see that at all? Oh,
1: we certainly do. And um, post-George Floyd with police reform, it really had, I mean, that's part of the reason St. Paul doesn't have or didn't have resource officers in their school. And
0: think about that for a second. I mean, with the Harding situation, man. Yeah, yeah. the school
1: board just said, nope, they're they're oppressing our children, which um, I'm not naive enough to say that that couldn't happen or didn't happen or still doesn't happen. But I think it's really important that we put the right people in the schools. And right. I think back um, in middle school, we had a school resource officer there, and he was influential in me going into policing. Is that right? And he I, – I can easily say probably – the nicest man I have ever met. That's fantastic. So, you know, back then I've got to look back at the chief there, and he's—I yeah. say, hey, he did a wonderful job of selecting the right person for that job. Right, right. right now we have uh, Officer Gabriel Crombie that's mm-hmm. in our schools, who has a background in social work and youth ministry. Yeah, and that is someone I want in my school. Right. Um, Absolutely. he understands just talking and chatting with people and his youth ministry was focused at middle school age kids as we all know it can be a difficult time for kids oh yeah you know as they're you know maturing they're kind of in that you know in between adult and child and they're figuring things out and all of that and it can be kind of awkward so having someone that kind of understands that and has worked with people that age i think is is a bonus for us
0: do is there is there a time I don't know, limit. I mean, do, do, do officers rotate out of that just because it's time for somebody new? or, or?
1: Yeah, each department handles that differently. It's my philosophy. It's good to rotate okay. folks so they don't get in all of the jobs that we have here in Northfield. Sure. And also, our department isn't that big. I mean, we're yeah. 25 officers top to bottom yeah. right now. And so just giving opportunities to people to do something other than just work in patrol or just do investigations or just an SRO. So um, you mentioned Bart Weiss, and he he was our SRO for about five years. He was. And he was doing a wonderful job, and the only reason I moved him is I wanted to give someone else an opportunity and to develop someone else and some different skills. Because Bart's out on the street, and a lot of those skills that he – perfected working in the schools are carrying on to make them just a wonderful officer serving our community right. and interacting with folks like right. you so yeah. part of it is professional development it's development of the department as a whole in developing everybody within so a variety of reasons but it is important to select someone who wants to be there yes. and someone that can do a good job yeah. obviously that's not the place you want to put someone and i know we've had that in 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 the law enforcement profession right where they haven't had anybody that wants to be there and they punished someone by putting them Ooh. there or someone who viewed it as punishment. Gosh. Well, they're not going to do a good job. Yeah, You don't, you so. don't
0: ever want to see that. That's exactly. Yeah, it's, a, it's an important position be, you got to want to be there. Right. Exactly. And, yeah. Yes. Anyway, well, it's, it's I, I, all evidence is that it's been a fantastic program in Northfield. So and, yeah, I agree. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Um, State legislature is in full swing they now, are. and I'm sure there are things that you're keeping, uh, keeping an eye on. Um, uh, the city administrator, um, Martig, uh, was, was talking yesterday about, uh, the city is supporting some legislation, uh, that will fund, uh, if, I want to make sure I get this right, um, help to fund, so basically get some help for police officers who are dealing with, with PTSD.
1: Yeah, so there, there's, uh, I know of at least one bill uh, right now moving through on that, but um, I know last session there was a bill that, it hasn't been reintroduced this year, and I hope it does get in, reintroduced, but PTSD is a concern um, and in the line of work, and officers see a lot of trauma, and we we try to give them resources, certainly just like we're talking about mental health in the general yeah. population yeah. we're doing that within law enforcement and providing right. wellness sessions for officers and check-ins and and you know just making sure that they can deal with what they see in a positive way but um we know that PTSD is highly treatable Yes, you know the military are the experts in this. They've been dealing yeah. with this for a long time. Yes. They know that they can treat people positively with uh, with proper treatment. Um, and so we would really like to see. And the Minnesota Chiefs of Police Association is 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 supporting this. The League of Minnesota Cities, but we'd really like to see um, some one requirements for treatment for officers, which through the city or the employer or workers' comp would pay for it. When we
0: talk about requirement for treatment, that's requiring the state to pay for it. not Correct, not, not the officer. Yes, nope, yes. No,
1: the employer would be responsible for paying for treatment. In fact, the bill last year had up to 32 weeks of treatment, so the, uh, they would continue to be employed. They would get treatment for PTSD before... A PTSD disability claim would be processed. Okay. Um, again, because we know this is highly treatable. Yes. And if we can treat it and get that officer back right. so that they are living a healthy, productive life, so they're working for us, I mean, we've got officers with a lot of experience and having been successfully treated for PTSD, man, what a great resource to have out on the street to interact with folks that are struggling, to help other officers. So we'd really like to keep those folks employed. And unfortunately, our structure laws right now is almost like we're throwing them away yeah we're we're, we're giving them a, a disability retirement and saying good luck to you and uh, that really doesn't seem like a good way to care for them no or care for our community no. so well,
0: that, it's not what we have done well frank i'm still of the opinion that we're not doing enough for our veterans either but um you know you, you think about ptsd in terms of generally the military first of all um but It absolutely has to carry over to the police department. All of really our our, our public uh, safety uh, uh, people, you know, I, I go to work and, you know, I, I get a nasty email from somebody who doesn't like something I said or whatever, you go to work and you get people yelling and screaming and 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 you know offering bodily harm to you i mean that's it's a whole different thing and we I, I think we take that for granted with our with our police officers
1: yeah so it's not only the things that come towards that officer right from folks um yes and and we do quite a bit of training with them to, for them to understand that a lot of times it's situational and you know this person is frustrated and not dealing with being held accountable or whatever it is right. and you're the person that's on the receiving end of that and our officers generally do fairly well dealing with that but it's also the trauma that they see Mm -hmm. the way they see that people treat other people yeah you know our assaults uh, the physical attacks um, you know that the threats that they see someone call in and that came at the hands of someone else you know the domestics they see that that violence that they see from people that love one another is really difficult and for them to see, but then just all the physical trauma too. You know, the the blood and guts they see, whether it's crashes or yeah. or injuries, yeah. just from accidents yeah. and things like that, that they do see a lot, and uh, and it, it takes its toll over over time. So right. it, it's good for them to have those resources. Like I said, we do our wellness check ins, um, which is something new in the industry that's just started in the last decade um and most departments are moving that way and doing that now but it it allows them to process in positive ways this trauma that they see and so that they um you know can as best they can normalize or understand that their reactions are normal and that it's not odd to have sleepless nights after things like this, and productive ways to try to reduce that. Yeah, I I,
0: I think most people know that I, I used to be a bartender at Imminent Brewing, and and uh, I've made uh, uh, I've I've got a bunch of friends that are have been either in or retired now from law enforcement, and a couple of of my buddies. I remember one guy uh, coming and telling me that uh, uh, that day he had. Uh, in Dakota County, there had been a, a head on uh, car collision and a uh, family of five, uh, was in one of the cars and the father who was driving had died. And it, like it just, uh, the trauma that the rest of that family was dealing with at that moment, it, he said, it, it, it shook him right down to, to, to the soles of his feet. And, you know, we, you and I also have a, a mutual friend who uh, came in one day. He had been, Uh, He was a Bloomington cop and he had been, he was one of the guys that dealt with the, uh, the mall of America when that horrible situation happened where the one guy threw a kid over the balcony and the things you guys see, the things you guys have to deal with, you just, we, we take, I'll say it again. I mean, we take police in the society for granted so badly and, uh, uh, it, 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 I'm, I'm glad to see that there's, there's at least legislation that at least somebody is, uh, uh, throwing something out there to say, Hey, let's take care of the cops.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. Um, I think we're trying to move in the right direction there. Yeah. Um, we want to care for our caregivers. Yes. in our Community. Exactly. And so, uh, yeah, we're definitely moving the right way.
0: Right. Uh, legal weed. <laughs> That's coming, man. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's coming. Um, what are you uh, What are you watching there? You know,
1: really watching it, well, primarily from a public safety standpoint yeah. on it. Obviously, um, the bill that we have in front of us is talking about over 21, uh, so similar to tobacco, mm-hmm. similar to alcohol, mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and that type of thing. And, of course, um, we live in a, a country of freedoms, and mm-hmm. we want people to be able to um, live their lives as freely as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, but when it affects other people, that's when public safety right. you know steps in there right. and gets involved so we are watching um those bills house file 100 uh in the house um and you know, I'm still trying to figure out why they didn't number it House File 420. I, <laughs> um, I suppose they go by that when they were introduced. You know, I suppose they had to get but it in early. Um, it would, it Senate,
0: would have been a little too cheeky, I think.
1: <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> Senate File 73. But we're we're really watching it from that public safety uh, standpoint, and we're we've really been watching the last couple of years from law enforcement yeah. um, on what other states that have legalized. Marijuana, what what problems they've had and what they've seen, and the traffic safety is a huge
0: concern for right. us. I've I've heard that Colorado, so, I guess, yeah. it was it got really bad in Colorado.
1: yeah. So, it, well, I don't know that it's worse in Colorado. In fact, some of the stats I've looked at, it isn't worse in Colorado, but the Rocky Mountain um, High Intensity Drug Trafficking Area, or Haida has been. Studying and collecting stats more so than I think anybody else. Okay, and so the information that they're putting out is, I would say, where people are saying, "Oh, it's really bad in Colorado." Right. I, I, some of the other stats I'm seeing aren't aren't much different. Um, so, s- 2013 is when they legalized recreational marijuana. Yep. yep. There and traffic deaths where uh, the drivers tested positive for marijuana increased 138 percent. Wow. Um, and so those involving those drivers who tested positive more than doubled, um, from 13 to 2020, Mm -hmm. from 55 people to 131. So that's 76 more people that are dead. That tested positive for marijuana while driving a vehicle. So this isn't, you know, how many blown tires it is. These are people that are dead. Yeah. Um, that can be directly attributed to marijuana in their system while they were driving right and obviously we have dwi numbers but when we look nationally dwi dwi alcohol related numbers are Mm -hmm. down since 2013 is that right yes drug impaired is going up so the drug impairment the crowd that's driving with that drug impairment Mm -hmm. is going up so they're obviously not following that message yeah um And I mean, looking in Washington uh, for fatal crash drivers, that doubled in the last 10 years from 12 to 22, from 9% to 18%. Wow. And nationally, marijuana presence in fatal crashes doubled between... Oh seven and 16 so this was an earlier study where they were studying it as those states it was about 2010 or 12 when the first couple states came on with those mm-hmm. legalizations so they were seeing it double in that time too um and i don't think that's should be surprising to anybody um no. if if it's legalized it reduces some of the stigma some of those folks who wouldn't you know use marijuana just because it's legal and they yep. are rule followers yep. um Now they're not, and trying to figure out that level of impairment can be difficult.
0: Because there's no really good way to test for THC without taking blood samples.
1: Uh, Right. Right? Um, There is some oral testing. There is. is, uh, But in... Alabama is only state that requires it. The others, it, it's all in research and testing phase. So okay. that's one of those things when I look at this, I still feel like Minnesota's rushing. I know there's a lot of states yeah. that have legalized this, yeah. but I think we're rushing into this. I don't right. think the science of how it impairs people and being able to accurately detect impairment. Mm-hmm. And, and part of that accurate detect impairment is so people understand what they can responsibly use and what period of time they need before driving or operating sure. machinery sure. or something like that we think of alcohol and having the percentage mm-hmm. of alcohol yep. and the serving size mm-hmm. you know people who think about this yep. can kind of gauge that and know okay i can have two beers or i right. can have right. you know, one drink and, but after right. that i'm just not going to feel comfortable driving right um and we've all had those friends that have said I only had two drinks I don't know how it happened yeah. well it's cuz the bartender was pouring you doubles yeah um and whether you realized it or not right it, you thought you had two drinks but you had the alcohol equivalent of four yeah um, so
0: that's an irresponsible bartender by the way I would like Well to- <laughs> no, no
1: I, I'm not saying it's not but <laughs> right. you're telling me that people aren't going to be getting no, no, marijuana I, and they don't know oh, the, no th- th-
0: absolutely yeah, the th- content yeah. so How's yeah. it been going uh you know we Minnesota legalized delta 9 THC and and edibles in July last year what what have you seen since then Yeah like,
1: so um we've had many medicals okay. related really? to people uh paranoia yeah. um not feeling well generally yeah. after ingesting and stuff like that. So we've had many in town and related to taking THC. Now, um, some of those, because they've had the product after, mm-hmm. or, or still some of the product there, is not legal. And whether they ordered it over the Internet or got it from another state or got it from a supplier that is supplying in-state but selling illegal, okay. too high content, edibles, yep. those are all have all been factors. Okay. So, um, some of it is related to that, but uh, I think some of it just too is people not, it's relatively new, not yeah, realizing the edible portion of it mm-hmm. obviously doesn't have an immediate effect right. as it does, like smoking it or vaping mm-hmm. or something like that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and I think we've all heard those stories of someone that took one and they're like, well, this did nothing, and they take two more, and then all of a sudden, you know, they're super impaired.
0: I've, I've never heard these stories like yeah. that. Like, I don't know. I don't <laughs> yeah. know what you're talking about. <laughs> um,
1: but I i mean, we know that that happens, and so some of it is an education piece, which I get. And yep. just move forward on this. If it does pass, it'll take a while. But but we are concerned about the the uh, safety impacts. Um, the amounts that they're talking about yeah. in this bill too are pretty high. Are they? We're talking about a personal possession limit of five pounds.
0: That's, I yeah. mean, if you, right now, if you found someone with five pounds, that's possession with intent to distribute, isn't
1: it? Yeah. De- most definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, 42 grams is a felony. Okay. And wow. so in five pounds is like 2000 some grams. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so yeah, I think, I think there's, if the state does move towards legalization, I think there's some things that could be done right. to modify this, to make it, um, safer sure i mean a person being able to have five pounds in their home what's the potential for you know children you know other people taking using other stuff like that i think it's just so much higher than um than what we're talking about uh that would what a lot of people would deem reasonable
0: five pounds i mean i can't even imagine what that equates to and like how much beer you want you to have like you'd have an entire refrigerator plus full of beer <laughs> that's <laughs> well to, you're to, probably right yeah but. you know i mean that's that's a lot that's a lot um all right so moving on and but sticking with the, the, the public safety thing um it's been it's it, it was super cold for a long time and now it's warmed up a little bit How's the ice out there? What are we seeing? How's the safety issues? Well,
1: from a couple aspects. So um, we're getting, because of these warm days and then cooler nights, we're getting that refreeze on the road. So I want folks, especially in the morning, to be really careful as they're leaving their home and driving. Because unexpectedly, they're going to come up to that stop sign or that crosswalk, and all of a sudden... They weren't expecting ice because there wasn't ice in the last mile, but yep. boom, there it is. So- Let me tell you, at
0: four fifty-five in the morning, when you're driving to work, that's that's you have to be thinking about that with every stop sign you yes. come to. Yeah. yeah,
1: so we want folks to be careful there. But also, we had an inch of rain in the metro and south metro area here on Tuesday, and um, we've got standing water on lakes. So yeah. that's not a good thing. We got water above the ice. We got water below. So that thickness of ice really is varying a lot, mm-hmm. and it's becoming unsafe pretty quickly. I know I saw some pictures from Lake Minnetonka, and there's an ice house that had water almost a foot up from the bottom of that ice house. Oh, my goodness. Um, and I know that the Hennepin County Sheriff's Office had put out information. They already had like 10 or a dozen vehicles go through the ice yeah, um, out there just yesterday and yeah. last night. Yeah. So uh, I just want folks to be careful out there. If your ice house is out there— Trying to get it off the ice. Right. Doing it with your one ton truck might not be a good idea right now. (laughs) Um, So, you know, if you got an ATV you can use or something like that, it might, or, or a tracked vehicle might make more sense to try to get that off
0: is it march 1st that ice houses have to be off the ice
1: uh for the southern two-thirds of the state yeah okay yeah it is okay. so, so we're Rice early County for sure yeah. yeah all right uh you know we're a good two weeks early on that but that rain we we got just is not good and for the southern uh about half right. of the state right
0: which is a drag because I
1: mean, yeah fishing is. is really good right
0: now so it's right good. yeah anyway um I, just on a, on a on a personal note uh, mark you have uh uh, been a guest a couple of times on my Thursday night show, the, the, the weekly list. In fact, you co-hosted the show with me once and, uh, I, uh, I'm really hoping to get you, uh, you back on the list at some point here in the, uh, the next few months. Yeah. That sounds good. Yeah. We I, can uh, go on there. We pick a theme or an list yeah. and, and go from there. Yeah. yeah you bring a, 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 a totally different perspective than, than anyone else I get on, including my partner, Daniel G. Moyer, who has the, Weirdest perspective of anyone. I know I want to real quick. while we're talking. I want to plug tonight's uh, yeah, What edition. are you going to talk about tonight? Well tonight? Uh, it, this is I mean, I'm gonna get all mushy here for a sec, mark uh, uh, This will be on after all of the high school sports that we're dealing with this evening. So 9 930 something like that um, it was Valentine's Day on Tuesday and uh, uh, My wife and I have a just a god-awful history with with valentine's day we it, 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 almost from the word go valentine's day what you could almost like mark it on the calendar well rich and you're gonna have a fight that day that's <laughs> way it's gonna go too and, much pressure well partially right and then 20 some years ago i said we gotta stop we we just we gotta give up on valentine's day we just we have to stop this And um this year uh, we decided that we were going to give Valentine's Day another chance and we're not, we're not doing, we didn't do it traditionally. We, instead we got on an airplane for the week before and went to California and spent, spent, spent the week together that way and called that Valentine's Day. But, uh, my wife, who is, uh, not somebody who even likes to have her name said out loud, especially on the airwaves, right? Uh, said, you know what? I want to come on your show. And I want to do a Valentine's Day show with you. So tonight is the Reclaiming Valentine's Day show. We recorded this Monday night. So, well, that yeah. is awesome. Yeah, it's 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 and it's a fun show. I, I Annie is a uh, a private person, uh, easily the smartest person I know, but not somebody who's real comfortable uh, in in the public eye. And Mark, she just knocked it out of them park
1: well that's great it's, it's
0: it's it's a really fun show and i i would encourage everyone to uh
1: and we get to see an intimate insider look yes exactly into right. your marriage In, into awesome.
0: the, the larson household marriage exactly crazy northfield chief of police mark elliott you've given us 35 minutes and i could not be more grateful thank you very much for for doing this and we uh we always appreciate you coming around i as the news director i always appreciate you because you always give me a couple of good stories to work with for for the news but uh, it's always good to have you here man
1: Well, thanks, Rich. It's always good to come in to talk to you or talk to Jeff and uh, share some information to uh, the listeners out there and um, let them know what's going on in the community and how they can uh, help keep our community safe.
0: All right. All right.